0: All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASU Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and even Strokes for all their incredible support, as without none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we've got another cracker joined by master of all things motocross and supercross and fly racing guru, Jason Thomas. How are you, mate? Excited for the weekend ahead and and obviously had a big week last week, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ready for round two. Um, I fly out here in in a bit. Um, It is going to be a warm one, though. So we had uh, just the the best weather possible uh, last weekend at the opener. And reality is going to set in a little bit this weekend. Uh, in Fahrenheit, we're going to be pushing like 95. So I'm thinking that's probably up, you know, 30 plus uh, in Celsius. But it's going to be warm regardless. And I don't think many are prepared for it. So good luck to all of us.
0: Yeah. And obviously, you too, mate. Obviously, the broadcast is probably a little bit uncomfortable for you as well. But you're probably pretty used to it uh, being down in the trenches, mate. But yeah, the, the broadcast went down well. You, you, Stu, and Weege had had some added plenty of insight and had some good dialogue and the questions you asked james were particularly excellent you know in that second moto, just asking the perspective of how they dealt with certain situations and yeah it must have been a, a pretty cool weekend for you mate and uh, good to be back in the, in the in the reporting in the pits there and um bringing the insight and just your key takeaways are obviously the lawrence brothers and uh and sexton and yeah pretty impressive stuff wasn't
1: it yeah i'm i love it um it's it's a huge opportunity for me to be there for one. And then secondly, we're so fortunate to have someone with the credentials and experience and insight that James Stewart has. Um he just there there are not many people that did it to the level that he did. And obviously with Ricky and Supercross, we have two of the most decorated racers of all time that are sitting there waiting for me to ask them questions. Uh so that's that's great for you know, everybody involved, including me, and, and hopefully I can get the right questions across that are going to trigger something super insightful. You know, it, it, that's my biggest fear is it, not asking the right question when, when the moment arises. But we're creating this chemistry and, and we spend a lot of time talking during the week. So we're kind of learning what makes each other tick and, you know, how to set him up and and things that he can ask back so I, so we can continue that in, in an entertaining way. And, uh, yeah, it's been awesome. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, as far as the racing goes, the 450 class was really the story of two guys. You know, it was J- uh, Jet and Chase, and we kind of knew that going in. You know, you wondered if where Dylan Ferrandis was in his recovery. And I, I personally, going into the weekend, thought he was championship ready. Like, I'm like, he's had all this time off. He's going to come in really prepared. Uh, But then Jason Wigan and I had a chance to speak with Jeremy Coker, who's the team manager of monster Yamaha star racing. And he set us straight really quick. He was like, Hey, he's not ready. Like he's, he's trying to get there, but he hasn't been riding very long. And the plan, our plan was like, Eli's going in hot. Like we expect him to win. And then Dylan's going to work back into this thing and, and there won't be any pressure on Dylan. And then all of a sudden with the snap of an Achilles, that all changes, and now Dylan's like, okay, well, now I have this pressure, and I'm not prepared for this pressure right now. So, they've been really respectful of that and understanding, but at the same time, it's like, hey, you're the only guy. So, as much as we want to be patient, like we we need you to speed this process along. So, uh, hopefully, he can get back there, and we can turn this two horse race into a three horse race. Because I, I honestly just don't know if Webb and Plessinger are, are going to have the pace or the fitness or just the level to go with those two. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll have these special days just like Detroit where Plessinger wowed everyone. Uh but man, after one round, it's really hard to see. Like they were forty five seconds ahead of those guys in the second moto this past weekend.
0: Yeah, it's quite concerning, isn't it? Obviously and it was just like a master class by those two because the track that you would have known firsthand it was uh pretty brutal, wasn't it, mate? You probably wouldn't have wouldn't have wanted too much of that if you were
1: back racing, would you? No, no. I, it was like, every time I walked out onto the racetrack or was watching, uh, I was just like, thank God I don't have to ride this. Um, <laughs> because I knew what I did well and didn't do well relatively. And that track was not something I would have, I just, the risk you have to take and the lack of traction and it's Southern California and, and blown out in the afternoon. Like but none of those things were conducive for me. So it, it only makes it more impressive when I watch jet and chase going as fast as they were going and, and virtually mistake-free, like they weren't making mm. really any mistakes and they were pushing the limit, pulling away from, you know, a former, former, former champions and all the way back Webb and, and Plessinger and Ferrandis and all these guys are motocross champions and they were just gone.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a definitely, it's just so precise the riding and the, the balance and, and when they're leaning into those, those big ruts that it was, it was just so impressive that they were able to ride so yeah, cleanly, like you said, under those conditions. And um, I was sort of switching the topic to to someone like an RJ Hampshire, a totally different riding style, totally different approach. Um, he obviously was awesome on the weekend and that second moto comeback was something to behold. And obviously being a fly racing guy, he certainly gives you guys good coverage. But it was, must have been pretty pretty big contrast between those, those two guys and him and, and, and the two classes in general.
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the 450 class is, it's made up of former 250 champions, although in race winners all the way through it. You know, we have a lot of injuries right now, but the 250 class is more parity and lots of mistakes. And, and it's just a completely different dynamic than the 450, but it is deeper and it's, it's more entertaining on a lot of levels because you don't have the predictability. Chaos reigns a little bit uh, more in the 250 class. And I think if you're looking for storylines and, and things to, if you're wondering like who's going to be the story each weekend the jupiter class is where you want to be because you're going to have weekends where i think hampshire is going to be the story like he was after moto 1 i think hunter is going to win more times than not but i think guys like shimoda guys like levi kitchen guys like hayden deegan there are going to be guys that they're just going to have a great day and they're going to win a moto here or there and they're going to get some of the limelight where the 450 it just feels like you're going to have a very repetitive story doesn't mean it can't be very entertaining it's just going to be kind of the same storyline week in and week out where the 250, we could see all kinds of different things happen.
0: Yeah, that's well said. And obviously, just sort of touching on the Euro guys, um, Vial and Guillaume and Farris, obviously um, pretty good weekends for them. When you look at the final results, obviously Vial struggled early on in the day and it sort of looked a bit ominous that he mightn't do so well. But yeah, those guys had pretty good weekends. I suppose they'd be satisfied with um their first hit out of the year. Especially Farris after yeah. being um, sort of just been training and grinding, and obviously you know he's a pretty special talent as well. So, your take on those sure. guys?
1: Yeah, Ferris. Uh, you know, he didn't get a lot of the the limelight or accolades. It wasn't on TV a lot, but really, really nice performance. Um, underappreciated, most likely by by many. And uh, yeah, but strong, super strong. A lot of people, most people, still don't know much about him, but he's going to change that if he keeps, you know, finishing inside the top 10 week in and week out. So a great job from him. Uh, and then on Bial, I thought he had an opportunity here to do well with his first one. And, and of course he's a two-time MX2 world champion and, and he's a great rider. But the only question I have moving forward is how quickly he's going to be able to adapt to these racetracks that he's never seen before. And this weekend, this is a track that you get to practice on. They had a press day. There's plenty of opportunity to get laps on it. So you, you know what you're going to be dealing with these other tracks. He may get to ride on Friday. Maybe not, you know, some of, some of them he will and some he won't. And then Saturday, he's going to get literally two laps before he has to go flat out in the first qualifying session, two laps. And I struggled with that on tracks that I had raced for over a decade. I still struggled with just picking up my intensity and no on a track that I already kind of know what to do on, but to be able to be my best right away, he's still going to be trying to remember what jump is coming up next when he's going to have to try to set his qualifying lap at some of these. So that's going to be, I think the biggest challenge, not knowing how he wants to set the bike up, not knowing where the lines are going to develop weight in the second motos where these other guys do, they put in hours of racing on these tracks and they kind of know what the dynamics going to look like. This, these are all going to be new things that he has to sort out. So If I'm him, I'm going to lean on the team a lot. He has smart people around him. I would be asking, because he practices with these guys, I would be asking Cooper Webb and asking Plessinger because they don't compete against them. Like, hey, what should I be thinking about with the bike? What should I be thinking about with track? You know, And just be a sponge of information from those guys as much as possible because every little bit of information gained beforehand is something he doesn't have to learn on the fly. He doesn't have to try to pick that up while he's out there he can go in just that 1% more prepared. And, uh, but outside of that, I think he'll be fine. You know, the starts won't be a problem. I don't think the speed will really be a problem. It's just, it's the adaptation time where you go from a two day event in MXGP, where there's just endless opportunity to learn the facility to a couple of laps. And it, it, you know, it sounds hyperbolic, but it's really not like, literally you get two laps and then it's flat out green flag. You better have it. You better have your, uh, your stuff figured out. So it's a really tough ask for him and uh that's yeah so that's I think the biggest challenge yeah it's certainly easier said than done and just looking ahead to the the hangtown
0: track obviously we saw Jason Anderson do so well last year um and, and jet as well but that's a it's an interesting one isn't it it sort of throws up a few more challenges um obviously things like you think RJ with the stake last year and um uh, yeah. yeah it should be, should be an interesting one what's your sort of take on it and then especially with the 250 class do you think um guys like Cooper and and Shimoda, they'll be looking to sort of have a little bit of a bounce back, even Kitchen especially. And, and you expect some probably more from, you know, Michael Moseman, Boland, and, and your guy, Hymas, too.
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, you could make a case for all of those guys. Um, Justin Cooper is one where he had a horrible opening round last year. Uh, he entered the second round 32 points out of the lead, going. you know, last, last season. He was under, unprepared. We all know the story of the injury and all that. But it was, a, it was a somewhat similar story where he was underwhelming at the opener again. And he didn't do as much damage. But for taking two months to prepare for a series, coming in with the most amount of motocross time spent of anybody, period, it was an underwhelming performance. I don't think he expected to get fifth overall in the day. So just like last year, he's going to need to have a bounce back day. And last year he wasn't really ready and he still went on the podium at this round. He bounced back just how he needed to. So I I think we'll get that same type performance. Is that enough to win? I don't know, you know, but I think critically he needs to be on the podium, both motos and show that he is for real in this championship and stop the points bleeding, especially if Hunter's on his game again. Um, so I think he'll be great. Uh, Shimoda, yeah, it's, it's not anything other than You know, good starts and stay off the ground. If if he can do both of those things, then he'll be in podium contention every single moto. And you could make that case for so many guys in this class. And that's why I think we will get so much parity is because Hampshire, Kitchen, Deegan, Shimoda, Hunter, Cooper, Vial, Voland, all those guys. And there are more. I could say, yeah, podium, no problem. Like as far as a moto goes without even thinking, no problem. Yes, those are podium guys. So we know there's only can be three each moto. So that's five guys that are gonna ride off the track disappointed with how their moto went. And that's not even counting everyone. That's not counting Hymas. That's not counting lots of guys that are gonna want to get into that fray. But it is a really, really deep class. And I think Hunter has a chance to be the alpha and really set himself apart. And maybe Justin Cooper can go with him too. But everybody else I think is gonna be in a dogfight for for to be on that podium week in and week out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fascinating racing. And, and you sort of, yeah, like you are saying, you go sort of towards the end of the top 20 and the top of the, you know, in the 20s. And you've got, you know, you've got, you got Marchbanks and Martin and Masterpool and Braswell and Hawkins and Swole and Bereese and Schwartz. Like, it's it's a very stacked class. And I just wanted to get your particular thoughts on Martin. Obviously, he'll be looking for a massive bounce back. Um, It looked like he had some pretty good speed and riding on the weekend. Obviously, he just had some issues, but he'll be definitely looked back to getting that top five, won't he, at least.
1: Yeah, he had to be really frustrated. Um, I talked to uh, his team and and heard some interviews with him, and uh, devastated is probably a good word. Um, they they really thought they had a shot at being championship contenders, and it doesn't mean they can't. They just dug themselves such a hole at the opening round that you know they're they're on the outside looking in now, and everything has to go right for them to even be in contention. Now they they don't have any any margin for error whatsoever. Uh, so yes, this weekend will be critical to to bounce back, to gain themselves some confidence and set themselves up moving forward. I, you know, you can't crash on the opening lap. That's rule number one. And Jeremy Martin did. And of course your results are going to suffer tremendously if you do that. I did watch him ride. I thought he looked fine. Um, the big key I think is, is going to be track positioning. And that's true for most of these guys. If you watched Moto One, you saw Hunter and Joe Shimoda battling in like sixth and seventh place at like halfway, you know, they still weren't able to get near the front. And these are the guys that we have as championship, the leaders, like Hunter went three, one relatively easily in the second moto. And they were still having to fight tooth and nail to get through traffic because everyone's so close. So I think everybody to a man will be focusing on the start. They're going to sacrifice settings. They're going to, you know, pick the tire specifically for the start, the gearing specifically for the start because if they don't get to the front or at least in the top five on the first lap, you know, their chances of getting anywhere near it are, are significantly lowered. You're going to have to have such a speed advantage over the rest of the field to move through the the pack in that case, you know? So, um, you know, they're, they're all dealing with this new starting grate that we've never had before. It's a totally different material. The perforation is totally different. Um, I'd never seen one before this particular setup. I'd never seen before. So the teams had to be scrambling as well, trying to figure out tire and ECU setting and the clutch and gearing and all these things too. Um, And and watching these guys behind the scenes, they were learning, like they were experimenting on race day. They were trying different things. Their setup for moto one to moto two, just for the start was totally different in most cases because they were like, yeah, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Right. Where race day normally is you just want to have a plan in place and you want to execute And that's it. You don't want to be guessing. You don't want to have any variables in the equation at all. This start was all variables. Like they really didn't have any set plan to execute. Um, So it'll be interesting to see who, who can figure that out, right? Like who was smart enough to assess, diagnose and then implement changes that are going to show up uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, And four hundred and fifty maybe not critically as important. I think that the top few guys can come from wherever basically, but, in the 250 class, the start is, is very, very important to, you know, the end result on Saturdays. Yeah. Excellent. Boy, that's
0: great insight. Obviously they're they're kind of things you want to be prepared and you want to have in order just so you just take that little bit of extra burden and, and stress and pressure off you and and you're doing it on the fly. It's definitely, like you said, not conducive for success. And um, just quickly switching to MXGP now for the second half of this and another man wanting to bounce back is obviously Jeffrey Hurling's after that second moto in France did not go to plan at all, but um, yeah, he's, he's 24 down on Prado now, and it's, it's going to be an interesting track. That's for sure. It's fast. It's bumpy. It's flowy. Um, You expect guys like um, probably obviously hurling Prado, Fevre to do pretty well, Seward to pin it wide open. And then obviously Fernandez got his first podium at MXGP last year. So um, not necessarily a track you'd um, would think would suit him in some ways, but it's sort of Sandy on top and then a hard, hard base, but he doesn't mind pinning it and holding it wide open. So, yeah, your sort of thoughts on Latvia and just um, how this one will play out because it should be fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really fast track. Um, it rewards guys being really aggressive. You know, the, the dirt's really heavy, so you have to use lots of RPM and you can't finesse your way around the track so much. Um, I, I think I'm most interested to see how Jeffrey responds right like that poor results wasn't his fault, right? He has no control over mechanical problems or any of that. So um, I'll be watching to see his maturity level. Like could he frustrated or he, does he just understand? Yeah, well, I lost some points. Wasn't my doing. I just need to go about my business and, and try to go win again. Um, and then does, did Prado gain any confidence, right? He got some, some pressure taken off points wise. Does that allow him to ride a little bit more freely, not thinking about the points so much? So there's, there's a lot there that changed points wise. Um, and does it, or does it not have any effect on the, you know, the lead couple? Um, I'm also going to be watching Jeremy Sewer, like, he was just so incredibly impressive along with Roman Febra. Those two really had breakout rides for their season, uh, in France. They had been struggling for different reasons. They all have each had their own individual problems, but both of them simultaneously came to the front and, um, Up until that point, it had not been a great year, especially for Seawer. I mean, just terrible, to be honest. Not necessarily his fault, but food poisoning and everything that could go wrong was going wrong. So I'm hoping that this sets us up nicely to have lots of parity at the front. Like, that's what we always want. We want it to be entertaining. We want to turn on however you're watching these races and not know who's going to win. That's the most exciting version of racing. And I think in MXGP class, we have a shot for that. Do I think Hurlings is the best guy? Yes, but if Stewart and Febra and Prado and whoever else you want to throw in there are on their best form, like, it seems like they're all kind of back there now. I think it could be a dogfight for, you know, for 70 minutes every Sunday. Um, so that that's really what I'm hoping for is just great racing and the gate drops. And I have no idea what's about to happen.
0: Yeah, no, it's going to be crack out. And um, just sort of, do you think, do you think we see Glenn um, Kaldonoff, uh, Landron, Brent Donick, these kind of guys, do you think they sort of, get in the mix towards the top five or, you know, Ferrado actually did quite well there last year as well. He doesn't mind holding it open, but he's obviously had that crash. So we're not sure if he's a hundred percent from that. But it, And even, you know, we're looking Watson got 10th last year, um, definitely looking for some better luck for him and some better performances. And um, Brian Bogers would be in that, in that same camp too. Obviously it's, it's a shame um, Jonas won't be at this GP, obviously his home GP and he got second last year. So just some of those guys you'll also be looking out for. Do you think, um, who do you think will excel out of them?
1: Yeah, I think it's gonna be really challenging for those guys to get to the front. I do. Um for mainly because of the reason I just gave you on the other guys. I, I think yeah. if everyone's healthy, the very tip of the spear, the, the top guys are are so incredibly good. Now, Koldenhoff certainly can. Um, and, and I think Calvin has shown that he has a propensity for it as well. Like he's really made, you know, his case that he can be a top five guy in any situation on any track. But some of the other, you know, like Vandonic and some of these guys, man, it's, I look up, you know, whether if it's Ferrado, I look up at the top of the field and it has to be your best day. Like it just has to be your best day to get into that fight. And then there's a daunting task in front of these guys. It doesn't mean they can't do it. You know, I watched, I watched Ferrado pass Jeffrey Hurlings on the qualifying race, right? It doesn't mean they can't do it. It's just going to be a really, really tough ask. And I, I think you're just going to have to be really opportunistic. You're going to have to g- get good starts. And when, there, when that door is open, right, when people are crashing and things are happening around you that you can't control, hurlings, bikes, breaking, sewer has food poisoning, you have to rise to the occasion in that moment and make the absolute most of it. You have to understand what the situation is and, like, now's the time. Like, I have to be my best right now and be able to uh, to respond to that. And that's easier said than done. Like, I don't think there's a magic button you can push. But if if you want to have that type of result on that day, that's how it's got to be done.
0: Yeah, the opportunity uh, definitely, when it, when it knocks, you got to take it. And that definitely rings true for the MX2 class, obviously, with Yago out, who obviously went 1-1 there last year. And that's the kind of track he's he's pretty comfortable on. But so, yeah, it's thrown a massive sort of wild card out with him going. But it's definitely kind of wolf will be primed for that first um, overall GP when He'll be confident, a track that, uh, you know, like we said, flowing big jumps and he's he's definitely uh, accustomed to hanging out and, and being pretty loose and coming off a good weekend in, in Holland, which sort of doesn't mean too much in the grand scheme of things, but it's all confidence boost after a, a French GP that probably, yeah, like you said, a missed opportunity for him. So you think he's the man, obviously, Benestant and Adamo, um, traditionally better hard pack riders, but yeah, that, all the guys now they train so much in the sand, they're very complete packages. So and someone like Rowan van der Moesdyk and Evitts could uh, maybe throw a spanner in there too. And Horgmo got a podium there last year. So he's he can be fast and loose. So who, who have you got for M X two? It should be should be great racing like it was in France.
1: Yeah, the door's wide open. Um you know I think Kyder Wolf has a great opportunity because the dirt is softer and, and I think he really thrives in that type dynamic. Um, I wonder about Benestan. You know that track in France, hard pack, ruddy. You know you need a lot of bike skill. You need to be very precise. Even though it was fast, Um, it really suited his skill set, and he was at home. So there's a lot of adrenaline, uh, of course, added in there. I, you know the the short answer is it's great that I don't know because the door is open. We know the door is open between you know Yago and Langenfeld are both being out there is no real alpha in the class at the moment. So all of them are scrambling to assert themselves to say, Hey, I'm the guy to beat now. And I don't think any of them are listening to each other. You know, it's kind of, they're, those voices are drowning each other out as they should, you know, if if you are one of them, why would you secede that to anyone else? You know, I think everybody kind of looked at Yago as like, eh, he's the incumbent, right? Like he's been, the guy that's winning against Vial and against Prado and these guys, he's, he's been able to go up against whoever. Uh, But with them out, man, it's, it's really open season. So who can make the most of it? Who can take advantage of this opportunity that's in front of them? Um, It's, it's going to be interesting to watch play out. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I, I, what I, what I truly am hoping for is that these guys no one gets on a run where they just rip off a bunch of moto wins and gets this huge lead. I would love for them to trade off, maybe have a little stumbles here, you know, stumbles here and there. Yago gets back into it. Langenfelder gets back into it and things are reasonably close where they have a chance. And then we have this stretch run where, yeah, okay. You know, Geertz and these guys are behind, but they're chasing them down. And can they close the gap before this season? ends? that, that's what I think would set up for the best series. I don't know if that's, if that's possible. Um, But again, as you can tell, kind of developing a pattern here, but I I want parity. I want to not know what's going to happen. I want to be guessing, you know, because for so many years and so many different series, I could have told you the results without turning the race on, without looking at them. I, I would have a really good idea of what was going to happen. And I just don't think anybody's really well served in that scenario.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. It's especially, obviously, the 450 classes. of Supercross was immense for 90% of it, and the MXGP is brilliant at the moment. The, the two 250 classes are just, yeah, fascinating racing. And, yeah, a good point on Beniston. It's a bit of a – it's just such a mixed bag. You just don't know what you're going to get from him at the moment. And then Adamo, while super consistent, and obviously had those great comeback rides in France, you um, it's just hard to gauge whether he can sort of be a real winner of every round, you know. So he's obviously – said to James, he's ready for that red plate. He's 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 done his consistency. He's happy doing that and banking points, but now he's like had that little mentality shift and he he wants a red plate. Do you think that can um sort of is that a good thing to see from him or is that sort of too much too soon from your perspective as a writer?
1: No, I think I think he he should be good. Um you know I think all of these guys are they're so young and they're all sorting through the mental side of being a championship contender and now like, you know, going from a child to being like, yeah, you're the man. Now you got to be, go try to be world champion is, uh, that's a really independent thought process and fight that everybody handles a little bit differently. Um, So that's the beauty of it. We get to watch this unfold both on and off the racetrack um, and how they come to terms with that. Um, So yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch all of these guys, whether it's Benesson who seems like he could be, next in line to kind of take over or a young guy like Lucas Kunin who had the race of his life. And now people are going to look at him differently. You're no longer this young kid. They're like, Oh man, what, you know, you think he can do it? No, he just showed us all he could do it. And now you're going to be expected to replicate that time in, you know, week in and week out. And how does he handle that pressure or expectation? So um, it's just a little bit of a different journey for each guy.
0: Yeah. It's a lot to deal with obviously, because some of these guys, might never get a better chance to win a world championship. Um it's it's crazy to think like that. They're so young, but it, it's sort of yeah, the chance only comes once a lot of the time. And um just to use a soccer example on the weekend in, in the German league, um, Bayern Munich won like, you know, other last 10 leagues. Um Dortmund that they had to win on the weekend and, and they would have won their first title in like eleven years or whatever. And they went down two nil and could only manage a two two draw. So you never know those players that team probably won't get another opportunity for a very, very long time. so is that something that, that these riders would think about in these situations or or are they just playing it week by week more is it or is it like you need to focus on not letting that sort of stuff enter your thoughts?
1: I think you, I think it will give them gravity to understand that anytime a world championship's in the cards, you need to respect that things like that don't come along all that often and you can't expect the not only the best rider, but the guy that just went one, one on a weekend to both be injured themselves and step away from the series. You have to understand how big of an opportunity that presents. Um, The other side of that coin is you don't want to add pressure if it's not going to have any upside. So how do you balance that between yes, understanding what's at stake here and you may never have a shot this, this good again, hopefully you do, but you may not. But You being nervous and thinking about that all the time and not focusing on what you're doing, that's not a win either. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I don't know the exact perfect balance of that, but at different moments, if you have, you know, whether it's your parents or a coach or whoever, there are different times and different moods and things that happen where I think you can have those each side of that conversation. So they, you make sure they understand it because again, I put myself in the mind of a 16, 17, 18 year old. I don't, wasn't really prepared for that type of pressure or that thought process or any, like, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about like, you know, school and girls and yeah, I'm racing too. And I need to do really well racing and training, but it you just don't have the perspective. So having someone that can give you a little perspective, but can also keep it loose enough where they, you know, understand that they're still kids and they're not going to, always grasp the big picture stuff. Um it's a slippery slope. I I don't envy anyone trying to trying to navigate that. Um but yeah I mean it has to be done, right? Yeah it's a lot
0: to go through for these yeah like you say young young kids are not really they're not adults yet and um you don't want to be crippled by fear or fear of failure and all these kind of things. So yeah just to close it up um predictions for the weekend mate um I said yesterday um I was watching the twenty twenty one uh MXGP round back uh, you know that amazing season at Latvia and I was really impressed with Fevra's riding, even though he obviously didn't win, but obviously Hurlings and Prado and Cairoli, those guys were having some great battles. And yeah, I was I'll just reckon, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Fevra just for something different. And um Kyder Wolf uh for, for the MX two. What, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's tough. Um I think that Jeffrey bounces back. I do. I I still stick with the best guy usually wins. Um so I'll, I'll pick Jeffrey to have a bounce back. I, I know internally he was just fuming at there was nothing he could do about it and then i think the sand uh gives him an edge but the only the only caveat i have there is this track you you need to get a good start it's really difficult to pass on so if he struggles on the start he could find himself battling just to get to the front and a guy like prado could be 15 seconds out front by the time he got there so that's one thing he he needs to really focus on and then into the 250, uh, I mentioned earlier, but I'll go to Wolf. I like uh he looked like he really started to break out a bit. Um, just looked more aggressive. It seemed like he sensed the opportunity there. There there is a world championship in the cards here, and you can tell in his riding, he was just so, so aggressive trying to pass guys, which I really liked. Um, just kind of how he looked visually there. So yeah, I'll go with uh I'll go with two guys that are both really strong in the sand and Jeffrey and uh Kyle Wolf. Yeah, the start is
0: just so important there. That is a great point. It's um And also just guys probably getting through that weekend because we've seen some absolutely monstrous crashes there in the past. So that's definitely going to be something to look out for. And just a quick one, you looking forward to your weekend, mate. Obviously, braving the heat, that's going to throw up a massive um, element to deal with. Uh you excited for the weekend? And who have you got for the winners?
1: Yes. Um, I'm not excited for the heat, but uh, just like the riders, it's going to be the same for everybody. So um, I'll be prepared for it and uh, make the most of it. I, it is going to be a great weekend. Um, yeah. And I, I like this race. It's a really short flight, which doesn't matter to anyone but me, but it makes my life a little easier. Um, but uh, as far as that that this weekend goes, I think Hunter wins again. He he was a bit injured last weekend, which we didn't really know about, and still was able to get the job done, which says a lot. And uh, I just think he's kind of on a roll. He's got a ton of momentum coming out of, uh, out of Supercross, and I think he's just going to be really, really challenging to uh, to beat this summer. And then the 450 class, I don't really have a strong take between the two. Both of them are so impressive. Jet, is he's really something else, especially when you factor his age into this and his first ever outing on the 450. Um but I'll go with I'll go with Chase. I think it means a lot to Chase to beat Jet right now. I, I think he's he really wants to show Honda and Jet that he can beat this guy because he gets so much praise and he deserves all of it. He deserves all the accolades he gets. But if you're Chase, you don't care about any of that. You just want to be the number one guy at Honda and prove that you can beat this kid. Um and I, I think that's where his mind will be in. Hopefully he won't have a huge crash on Saturday morning that kind of derails his momentum. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, maybe he gets it done.
0: Yeah, it'll be a great sort of battle for supremacy between those guys, that's for sure. And um, yeah, I'd like to thank you for joining us again, JT. I'll just give us a quick shout out to the sponsors and obviously Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASV Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and obviously even the Strokes for all their incredible support. And um, we really appreciate that. We appreciate the listeners and I'm um, very grateful to you, JT, for joining us again, mate. Um, all the best for the weekend and, yeah, I hope you have a good one. Thanks, mate. Talk soon.